once again for this election day edition of Nuance. So we're talking about some of the races as numbers come in. Of course, I am Mike Scala, joined as always by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop artist and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on with you, Jay? Um, I- I'm a little bit more awake than usual because I've been here an hour already. <laughs> Yeah, because it's daylight savings time. Actually, it was standard time now, right? In New York, you right. back and forth, back and forth. In Japan, you guys don't deal with all that. Right, right. And actually, I think there's only two places in the United States that doesn't do that either. Um, Arizona and Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So even growing up in Hawaii, we didn't have to deal with daylight savings time. Is that a newer development in Arizona or has it been like that for a very long time there, too? Um, I don't know, but I think it, I, I think it's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. I know that there was a bill. I think we talked about it a while back on here. There was a bill that passed the Senate to make daylight savings time permanent in the U.S., but it's stalled in the House. And so, of course, it got through one House, not the other House of Congress. And so right. it passed both and get to the president's desk maybe we wouldn't have to deal with this in the u.s anywhere anymore right yeah looks like it's uh it's been around a long time in arizona as well okay that's interesting um, right? the whole a- state is like we're gonna opt out this is kind of funny when the state decides to do that on its own i mean hawaii is one thing because hawaii is it's like isolated right but when you're surrounded by other states that don't do that it's kind of funny you're in a region of the country where everyone is doing this daylight savings time thing and you're not right right that reminds so. me of venezuela have you heard about that venezuela enacted half hour time zones or they, they tried to get a half an hour ahead of everyone else because they wanted to get to work earlier that's just weird now i haven't heard an advantage in the economy right in the marketplace if all their workers started half an hour before everyone else just say start a half hour earlier like i yeah. mean why do you have to change the time zone that's yeah it, it is weird right because it's just one country doing that and now they got these weird half hour time zones or maybe they're an hour they go by every hour but they're offset by half an hour but yet all the other countries around them are like like we are right with the, yeah. the regular ones that we're used to and they do they have this weird half hour offset there that just creates just unnecessary math calculations <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what time is yeah, it? Yeah, like if it, you know, it's already strange that it's an hour, but when you put a half hour in, then it makes it, you know, uh, the math calculation a little bit more complex. Even though, I mean, it's not serious, but it can be a little bit more. So I just googled what what's time going on, everyone in Caracas. It says eight sixteen p.m. So that's not a half hour different. I wonder if let me see, is it somewhere else or is it not in Caracas? Somewhere else in Venezuela? But did that do that? It's, it's, I don't know. I didn't hear about those half-hour time zones. You would think you would want to make something that's a little bit more standardized, uh, a little bit easier. Um, it kind of reminds me that idea. Kind of reminds me um, how Japan does its years. So they they use both, right? They use the standards that we use, which I guess that would be what the Gregorian calendar. The the this is the year twenty twenty three. Um, so they use that, but they're their own way of doing the years depends on who the emperor is. <laughs> okay. so, so right now, this is year five of this emperor. 
And so that's how they write their mm. their year. So you have to know when the emperor came in and what year of his term to be able to understand the date. And it just to me, it just seems unfathomable that that works. <laughs> it makes people pay attention to what was going on, I guess, right? You gotta keep up on your history. I, I, yeah, but how do you know that this took place in the tenth year of the emperor's reign? Like that just—I <laughs> don't know. It just seems overly, overly complex. But that's yeah. Right, so I mean, I just looked this up. Venezuela reversed their half-hour time change, so that was something that Hugo Chavez did, mm. and, and it, it was reversed. So apparently, okay. they did this between 2007 and 2016. So it's been a few years now. <laughs> doing that but i remember hearing that thinking that was kind of odd okay okay yeah that sounds kind of crazy yeah well speaking of crazy i got something to get off my chest about uh -oh. reddit you know i created an account on reddit nuance show to give people oh, did you? opportunity to take part in the polls and you know let people know that we're out there well Wait, 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 wait. Let me let me guess. You were banned from making posts because it was on the same thing over again. Yes, but that's old news. That happened a while ago. Okay. I'm not complaining <laughs> about that. They actually banned us from the polls subreddit <laughs> for promoting a podcast. But I was just letting people know where they can get the results. And also from a legal perspective, I was thinking in terms of if people are commenting on these questions, they might want to know what we're doing with them right so i'll just kind of give people right. a heads up hey whatever you write here we might discuss on the show so just just to get you know so you're aware i didn't think that yeah. was a big deal but whatever i'm not even beefing on that i'm kind of annoyed because i made the mistake of commenting on a few threads since then and i don't know why sometimes i'll scroll through it and just kind of see what people are talking about and i couldn't fight the urge to comment on something because someone said something that was clearly untrue right big surprise it's the internet it happens all the time but this was right in my wheelhouse. They were talking about defamation. And someone said that the Supreme Court made it nearly impossible for a public figure to be sued for defamation. I said, not quite. It's kind of reversed. They made it a higher standard for a public figure to sue for defamation. If you're a public figure and someone is talking trash about you, there's a higher bar for you to recover. Because the idea right. is as a public figure, you're signing up for a certain amount of criticism and you're not supposed to go around suing everyone who talks about you. So right. they didn't want to hear that. I think they were talking about Trump and they're basically saying it was going to be impossible to sue Trump, something like that. And I said, the law is not exactly right. And I wanted to clarify that. I said that the public figure has a higher bar to recover. The public figure is the plaintiff, not the defendant. This isn't about suing a public figure. Now, I did also mention how in New York, the law was changed recently so that this actual malice standard, this higher standard for recovery applies not just to public figures, but any case involving the public interest. But that's New York, right? The general Supreme Court standard that's been articulated since New York Times v. Sullivan is that actual malice standard applies to a public figure recovering damages. And so they didn't want to hear it. And I said, listen, I'm an attorney and I have done defamation cases. This is something that I do for a living. You should listen to me on right. it. I don't think that they believed it or they were just arrogant enough to keep arguing with me even after having said that. <laughs> 
And so then I quoted the exact Supreme Court decision because they said that this comes from MLK during the civil rights era and the newspapers were talking about him. I said, yeah, he would be the plaintiff. He would be the one suing. And I, I quoted the Supreme Court case and it said very clearly, you know, we believe that for a public figure to recover damages, there must be an actual milestone. And I said, to, for a public figure to recover damages, there, the the plaintiff here is the public figure. It's not the other way around. You're not suing the public figure. And their response was, thank you for proving me right. And then they blocked me. <laughs> but what annoyed me the most about this is that someone went and upvoted that person's comment and not mine. So it's like, <laughs> I'm siding with this other guy who has it backwards. And I'm thinking, why am I wasting my time even on here in the first place? Gotcha. Gotcha. Reddit, you know, I, I have an interesting thing with Reddit. Reddit is very pretentious <laughs> around their rules. Yeah. Around their subreddit rules. Like they're very, I, I kind of get the very high nosed, pretentious snobbery. And then, and then like, yeah, the, the, the comment section can be, can be wild. <laughs> so I think also it skews very young on that site because i've seen and it depends on the subreddit and whatnot but overall and i've seen for the polls subreddit in particular which is one of the reasons why i'm not even mad that we don't post in that subreddit anymore because i've mm. seen other polls on there where they ask you you know what is your age and everyone is a teenager or you know they ask things no one has any like kind of life experience no one there has ever had a job and so you know when we ask these questions that we're trying to get nuanced answers on we're not really getting a very balanced or, or representative result when you're asking a lot of teenagers you know hmm. yeah so but i mean i don't know it just sounds like that conversation you had is very indicative of internet banter sometimes <laughs> like but wait a minute this is actually what i do right yeah. and not only that but i quoted from the supreme court case and I said, care. thank you for proving me right. It just shows like what kind of bubbles we find ourselves in, right? It doesn't matter. Facts don't matter anymore. And and it's not, you know what? That's to be fair, it's not even just internet. It has, like you said, facts don't matter to it. Has, that kind of ideology is also in the public discourse, in actual yeah. Yeah. verbal discourse, not just internet. Like you could have presented that same argument to him in person right with the statutes on paper and he would have probably said the same thing yeah right i think people in person are a little less combative and confrontational right maybe it would have been some passive aggressive stuff and then he probably would have been repeating the same thing later on although yeah, I, I mean this is something that i've noticed also in life and not just recently but i've always noticed this sometimes people will argue with you because they don't want to lose the argument but right. then they do learn from it and maybe in the future he won't be repeating that anymore not not that that's guaranteed but sometimes right. that, that happens right where they don't want to admit to you that they were wrong but right maybe because maybe that's why he blocked me maybe he realized he was wrong i don't know maybe and i think it like you said it happens a lot of people we we get into a discussion or a debate or an argument and we we push a point so hard that we're really invested in it and yeah. then even if we can't get that realization within the argument that oh my god yeah i'm wrong here we're all we we're, we backed into a corner already we, yeah. we gotta we gotta see it through they're and too so invested I think, in that side <laughs> to admit they were wrong right right and so i think that just everybody does that and so you know it's it's crazy but the the problem is like you're, you know like you mentioned 
is this type of discourse where facts don't matter we're seeing this play out even with elected officials and that's really where it's dangerous some discourse with some random person on on reddit yeah you know it's annoying it gets you you know gets your ire up a bit but when you see politicians doing it and that same discourse is playing out and they're like no look here here's the statute they're like no no i don't care no 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 fuck yeah then it's a problem right but sometimes they'll say i don't care if this is true or not i like it it supports my narrative my agenda and some right. people are cognizant of it. That's the scary part, right? It's one thing if people are just ignorant and don't know any better, but when they actually know that it's wrong, but they say, you know what? I don't care if it's right or not. This pushes my narrative, so I'm going to roll with it, right? Then we really have a problem. Right, right. right. So that's that's crazy. What's up to people in the chat? What's um, up, guys? I saw interesting when we were talking about I guess the talking about Japan briefly when I was talking about the uh the dates uh Paul posted up a, a interesting tidbit from an NPR uh, report apparently Japan is uh over tourism on Mount Fuji and it's causing so much problems that it's threatening the world heritage status of <laughs> Mount Fuji oh. that's a shame yeah that's a shame beautiful mountain if you ever ever visit japan and get a chance to see it like it's a you know when you're taking the train ride you can see the view it's it's easy to understand why it holds such a significant place in japanese culture as a symbol um it's just like pretty awe-inspiring uh the view mm. well that doesn't lend itself to the best segue for a legend day because <laughs> By all accounts, turnout is not awe-inspiring on an off year like this. Although I will say, I went to vote early. I know many of my friends and colleagues voted early, which you can do in New York and many places now. I did vote today, and I wanted to see what the turnout would be because it is an off year, and we always hear about woefully low turnouts in off-year elections. I will say that when I went, I was positively inspired by the people i saw it was kind of crowded at the polling site now it was a peak time right so you expect more people to be there right after work and before work right but nonetheless i've been to the polling site at all different times and there were more people there than i expected so that's a good thing right because especially here in this part of queens there really isn't much going on you got the da's race which is important but most people think that that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. People think that the Democrat will be reelected in a borough-wide contest. And then you've got some judge races on the ballot and the ballot questions we talked about last week. You know, that's really all that we have over here. So it is good that people are still taking their civic duty seriously because it's not all about voting for president. We've talked about this a lot, not about the president or the governor. And we'll look at some of these other states. I know that there are some governor's races going on in other states. But regardless of what or who's on the ballot, it's important to vote to show that your neighborhood votes, that there, there are people who actually pay attention to what's going on where you live, because a lot of resources, a lot of attention, a lot of what happens is determined by these numbers. This data actually is used in all kinds of contexts. And I right. live in a place known for having a high turnout than a low turnout. Right. And it also uh, dictates 
what kind of attention that your elected official is going to pay to your area by the votes that you put in. And and we've talked about it before, and I often reference that um, in the the first election uh, that we ran where we beat the, the, uh, the congressman in certain areas afterwards even though we didn't win the full race he did open up offices in those areas so that means it showed these votes whether you know they're big or not it could show and indicate what sort of engagement is going on there where your elected official may be weak or where they're they're strong and what kind of resources might need to go in that area right and aside from first amendment cases i do a lot of election law i've been on many campaigns i can't tell you how many times i've heard campaigns say you know we're not going to really focus on these areas because no one votes there anyway you know right. it's an unfortunate reality and it really shouldn't be how the world works but it is a reality of how the world works when people are trying to win elections and that goes not just for the election itself but even when they're in office right if they're trying to provide services to an area there are people i think most politicians and most campaigns and most staffers and people in the field of politics and government are, even if it's a subconscious thing, I think they're going to spend more time and more effort in areas where they know people are out there voting and paying attention to what's going on. That's just the way the world works, fortunately. Yeah. And you, and I seem to remember, you might be able to uh, uh, recall as well. I seem to remember hearing that in that first campaign in certain areas that we went to and they're like yeah well people here don't vote anyway yeah but we were still out there projects you hear that right in the projects right why right. you spend all your time going through all these buildings when right. people want to vote there anyway you know we were trying right. to reach everyone and also this might sound naive and maybe it isn't in some ways but we were trying to inspire people to vote on the notion that yeah, we know that people don't give you guys any attention and maybe that's why you're not paying attention, why you're not voting. But if we engage with you over here, then maybe you'll start to come out and, you know, and play the game, right. <laughs> come be involved in this. Um, you know, and that only goes so far. I understand there's a whole political science behind right. it. And on smaller elections, it might not be worth the campaign's resources to try to inspire people to come out who don't usually vote. You're probably better off directing your, those limited resources to people that you know are gonna vote. I get that, right? But, you know, you also do want to try to engage as many people as possible and expand the electorate to the extent possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so it's, um, I guess it's still kind of early there. Not all of the results would be in for everywhere. Right. Well, here in New York, polls close at 9 p.m. So if you haven't voted yet, you have an hour and a half to do so. I would encourage you to do so. I know some people are thinking there's nothing really to vote on. There is. And there's ballot questions that everyone in New York gets to vote on. You know, these are all important things. So mm. we're not going to have New York results until after nine o'clock. But in some other states, we do have results coming in. I see in Mississippi, polls are closing at eight. In Pennsylvania, they're closing at eight. Polls have closed in Ohio. Polls have closed in Kentucky. We've got results in, in Kentucky so far, 31% reporting. We've got Democrat Andy Bashir winning. He's got 57% so far to 43% for the Republican Cameron. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hmm. You know, we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. And if it's indicative in any way of the mood of the electorate locally or nationally. I know people say that in these off-year elections, the results tend to skew a little bit more conservatively than normal because, unfortunately, you get more younger people come out 
and voting in these big elections. When it's a president's race, maybe a governor's race, maybe a mayor's race, you'll see more young people and people who don't usually vote, people who tend to vote more democratic. When you have these off-year elections, it tends to be an older electorate, the ones who come out every single year. And generally speaking, that skews a little bit more to the conservative side. So we have to see, you know, sometimes you take these numbers with a grain of salt, but you can perhaps recognize some patterns, right? If let's say Democrats overperform in a year like this, that could be a good sign when they're expected to do worse than usual. Right. Yeah. And there's a couple of, and in some of these states, there are a couple of uh, big points. Uh, Ohio's taken up the right to abortion and marijuana, yeah. uh, recreational marijuana. Right. Um, Ohio's kind of behind the curve on that one, huh? But um, yeah, and and you know, marijuana's still in that kind of that limbo state, even if a lot of states are, are enacting like a recreational right to smoke, it's still, you know, against federal law, technically, it's like, it's weird that we have this weird type of limbo state in that regard. Like, you know, the federal government's just, just get on board already. Just quit playing games. Right. right. Because we know that federal law trumps state law. And so all the states can make it legal it really still right. is technically illegal everywhere because the federal government considers itself. Yeah. So at any time, the federal government could come in and be like, hey, you're committing a federal crime. And yeah. And, right. that, you know, that that always, you know, I know dispensaries are big business and, and you know, all over the place. But that would be something that would be constantly looming over the head of a dispensary owner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then That's the issues with banking, right? That's a big one. Right. A marijuana based business, you have a hard time when it comes to opening up a bank account because right. bank accounts we know are insured by the FDIC. It's a federal thing, right? And so most of the times these businesses are cash businesses. Right. Yeah. And then you start talking about tax revenues that <laughs> the government is losing out on, the people are losing out on to pay for some right. of these services that we need, right? I mean, right. we talked about one of the reasons why there was a push to legalize marijuana was for the tax revenue that it would generate. Well, if right. these businesses are all cash businesses, you know that there's a lot of underreporting going on and how much tax revenue are you missing out on? You're not getting that full potential there. Absolutely. And and I, I haven't really heard a good excuse or reason why the federal, federal government uh, hasn't changed its stance yet. Um, it just... Oh, because the federal government is not a person, right? I mean, you, you need the political support to get it done and yeah. you're talking about a lot of conservative areas in the country that still are very much against marijuana yeah I, I get that but i mean we've seen i mean there's a lot of data at this point um right. as far as that some of those fears and concerns are, are not coming to pass um there's a lot of data right now showing um you know the the, the tax revenue that people speculated could come in the type of money that could come in from from this business so it's i think at this point it's probably always been but there's a lot of ideology that's holding it back there's yeah. a lot of yeah you know that's no, an interesting thing i don't think attitudes have fully changed yet no i want i mean they've certainly shifted over the years but yeah i still see it locally at the meetings oh, sure. or on the, the facebook groups whatever people have very negative attitudes towards marijuana. And then some people will come in and say, listen, alcohol has ravaged the communities much worse. 
a lot of people aren't trying to hear that. They still have the stigma attached to marijuana where they think it's a low class thing or something a low life would do. It's drugs, right? They don't, even though alcohol we know is a drug, people don't classify it that way. They don't think of when you have a drink, they don't say, oh, you're doing drugs. But when you smoke some weed, people, a lot of people look at it that way. He's on drugs. He's doing right. drugs, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, alcohol has become such a part of the culture yeah. that it's just, it's just there, you know, kind of like same with smoking cigarettes, you know? Um, it took a long time for some of those attitudes to, around cigarettes to change. Right. Uh, because right. it was just such a common thing. Like, right. Everywhere. And how we can say that's not a drug, right? Nicotine. Right. So it's just it's a right. funny thing, right? Pe the way people think about these things. People smoke cigarettes. You don't really have anyone going around saying, oh, they're such a drug addict. People don't really say that. Right. And if you drink right. alcohol, they might call you an alcoholic, but they don't call you a drug addict. It's there's like a different yeah. way that people think about it. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, and then the ironic thing is that you don't get physically addicted to marijuana like you do these other things. Right. And I think, you know, on the flip side of that, because it's been illegal this whole time, um, there hasn't been a, the chance to get the amount of data necessary to look into some of these other things as well. Um, I think I just saw an article recently that um, that showed that heavy marijuana use is, ca is causing some kind of issue with, with some people. Uh, but you won't get that data until it's widespread because people that are, are smoking it and being secretive about it are not going to be reporting anything or not going to be telling anything. You're not going to be able to have the studies that you would have that you can have for like alcohol or cigarettes mm -hmm. because it's out there commonly yeah. so we may find some things later but you know but what about in places like the netherlands where it's been legal we can't have data that's true there that's true that's for sure true although i yeah. had always heard when i was younger that people didn't smoke it a lot there because it was legal right like right. it's kind of considered a touristy thing almost yeah you go to one of those shops and you smoke weed but people who live there that they, they don't think it's cool <laughs> i don't know right yeah i don't know we'll, i don't know I think we 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 tend to overdo things, so I don't even know if we'll get to that. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get to that point where people are like, eh, it's just whatever. Like I think people are just I don't know. You, people used to talk about that though, and I don't know how true it is, but I would always hear that argument that one of the reasons why kids all like to smoke marijuana was because it was illegal. If you make it legal, they're not gonna think it's cool anymore and they're all gonna stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if that's connected as much. I'm sure that's right. part of it. And some of but it. But I don't know if it's right. It's yeah. that forbidden fruit theory, right? But I don't think that accounts for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think we, yeah, we tend to overdo things. So I don't know if we'll, we'll get to that point like Netherlands. Like, for example, I was um, talking to my, you know, people that visit out here or, you know, even when my family came out here, I was telling them about that. They have a thing out here called Nomi Hodai, which is all you can drink alcohol. So you pay like, some places you go to a restaurant, you pay like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, and you get all you can drink alcohol for like two hours. All right. Imagine that in the States, especially around college towns, it'd be a wreck. Yeah. Yeah. We would, we would go, we would just overdo it to death. Like, and, and, but people here don't, you know, I mean, people here do, they do this, this, you know, but I think we'd have much bigger problems with that in the States. But do you think that that would settle down? I mean, I can see if it first started in the state. So it'd be like this big thing where everyone's just going to get plastered, but maybe it might become something that everyone got used to over a period of time, five years, 10 years, 15 years later, to the point where it wouldn't be such a big deal anymore. 
In college towns, no. I guess, right, because uh, that element of kids being able to do it for the first right. time. They can't wait till they turn 21. They're able to do it. I don't know. And, and yeah, I mean, in co- I mean, there's a, there's been a kind of an epidemic of binge drinking on college campuses anyway. Now yeah. make it more affordable. Like, right. yeah, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a wrap. Because, like, uh, um, I remember a friend of mine actually came here from Denmark um, and we went to a bar and I was telling him about that. I explained it to him. I was like, yeah, here, it's just you pay this and you get for two. He's like, what? That's that's incredible. It's that's crazy. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, it's that. He's like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so he paid for it and it was a two hour thing. And so they gave him the, the drink. And so he immediately, he just downed it like this. He's like, okay, give me the next one. And then he did that for like three drinks straight. And it's like, that's not how people generally do it. That people right. generally do it you know, they take some time. Like you drink your drink, you're being yeah, social. Yeah. Like the point, his point was like, I'm going to drink as much as I take can. Advantage of it, yeah. Yeah. So. But see, if you do that, don't you become unable to consume more at a certain point? I mean, you can start throwing up. You can start getting sick. So how much are you really going to be drinking? It depends on how, what your tolerance is. And, you know, the open bar is not unheard of in the U.S. We have that at weddings and certain events. You know, it's an open bar. You, you come in and you drink. Yeah. You know, that's true. It's true. So. I don't know. Craziness. Yeah. Um, looks like Ohio also has the right to abortion uh, on the All ballot, right. which we talked about, which another is would be against federal law so I'm, I'm curious how that would even work no that wouldn't be against federal law remember the the federal law supreme court decision was that it was really up to the states true true right. true they got rid of the federal right to abortion and they said right that the states could pass and you know and there might even be room to pass federal legislation on the issue as well that could be challenged but certainly the states right the supreme court said listen there's no federal right to it according to them but right that wouldn't stop the states from passing their own laws, which is what a lot of the states have rushed to do. And I think we saw that right. in Kansas, and there was kind of a surprise there, right? Because I think Kansas voters voted overwhelmingly to support abortion rights, even though that has been a more conservative state. And so mm. this issue really has been a problem for Republicans across the country. Hmm. But I, I mean, do you think they're, they're, I think their base is still on board for it though. I mean, as far as being against abortion, that that does not have access. I think their base is still Republican base. Yeah. Although I did see something that a pretty high number of Republican women supported abortion rights. Obviously, it's not as high as Democratic women or independents. Right. But a surprisingly high number of, of Republican women. Right. So even though the Republican Party is against abortion rights, you're seeing voters in these states come out in high numbers to reject mm. that ideology, which is again a bad sign for Republicans. It's you know that their their side of this battle is the losing one with the voters. Right. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. And then we're looking at some uh, governors' races. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi. Is that Kentucky? Kentucky, yeah, and you do have a pretty popular, as far as I understand, Democratic incumbent in Kentucky who seems like he is on his way to re-election, though it's still early. And it's one of those things where you see states that vote a certain way in a presidential election sometimes go the other way 
in a governor's race. And those are always interesting to look at. It sometimes works when you have the so-called blue state electing a Republican governor and oftentimes mm -hmm. find that governor to be extremely popular amongst Republicans and Democrats, just amongst everyone, you know, and I, I guess it forces them to govern in a more bipartisan way to try to build that broad coalition of support. Some people like that dynamic, right? I've seen that talked about by pundits pretty often. It's pretty awesome when you have someone who can buck the traditional politics of their state and build that coalition because it shows that they are really reaching everyone when they're doing that. Mm. It's funny how it gets in New England too, right? These states are solidly democratic in presidential elections. They often have Republican governors, oddly enough. Right. Um yeah. Whatchamacallit was a, a Republican governor of one of those states, wasn't he? Um Romney? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. You see that in Maine, you see that in New Hampshire, I think even in Vermont. I think in basically all the New England states you'll find. And and then even in, in Maryland, you had Hogan, who was a very popular Republican governor in Maryland. Maryland always votes Democratic in the presidential races. But I actually was in Maryland not long ago playing some cards at someone's house. And I met a guy, a local guy, who was a Democrat, but he said he voted for Larry Hogan, the Republican, when he ran, because he said he did things for Democrats too. He did things for everyone. He just seemed popular with the people. Mm. You know? And then you have a lot of these candidates who think that they would make great presidents. Chris Christie is an example, right? He's a Republican in the blue state of New Jersey. But you think that, you know, if I'm able to win a state and, and they're all a different party, but I'm still able to unite the people, I would make a great president. And oftentimes they do make formidable candidates, though you don't really see them winning. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Chris Christie has a shot. No, <laughs> anywhere. No. I think he had a better shot in 2016 until Trump out Christied him. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah. It's interesting. I mean, Jeb Bush in Florida, but I guess Florida is a swing state, so that doesn't really count. But you find these governors who are elected to lead states that either they're of a different party or they're just so close, maybe it's a purple state even, and just to win that state, you know you have to bring on people from both sides, right? Because if you have a state like New York, for example, a Democrat can win that without really getting a whole lot of Republican support, right? Mm. But if you were a Republican trying to win New York, like George Pataculus say, you would need a lot of Democratic support because of the numbers, right? There's just so many more Democrats there. So, right. It, you know, it it is fascinating and I think it, kind of forces people more towards the center when they govern, which might be useful in a general election for president, but could hurt them in a primary, right? Because um, it makes yeah. them unpopular with the base of their own party. So right. that's why I think yeah. you see a lot of them struggling because they think, yeah, I would make a great general election candidate, but now you gotta get to the primaries. Right. And then you see like a shift happens once they get into the, the general right. election. Right. All of a sudden they're like, wait a minute you're not who we were <laughs> yeah yeah you're not who we talked yeah. to What's like going romney on? right remember romney he did uh, romney care right a version of obamacare in massachusetts but then he was running against it saying i don't believe in that and then he found himself in that awkward position where it was like oh well, i believe it's okay for the state to do it but not the federal government i mean yeah some people right, right. need that but it's kind of just kind of talking yourself out of what you you did right because now you're trying to appeal to a different electorate right yeah so actually kind of finding it hard to get good uh a good structured 
kind of results tally like you would find in in uh not in the off years like you can go to usually like google or new york times or somebody would just have one page and it just have like uh, a structured tally of what's going on in each state um and they're not really doing it doing it more blog format everywhere that i'm seeing and that really annoys me because then you got to sift through different postings and things like that right yeah i'm trying to follow the new york times site but it seems like it only has so much tolerance for free views before they put that paywall up <laughs> right 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 um abc news saying it's looking good for democrats in kentucky um and then in ohio it seems like yes on abortion and more marijuana seems to be leading so far um oh here we so, go it's got updated results all right so ohio right to abortion so far this is very early only six percent reported 66 percent right. yes 34 percent no on the marijuana 58 percent yes 42 percent no okay and again with like you said this you know very early reporting this stuff can dramatically change yeah, yeah. so keep it yeah. on but you know what we can make that the poll question of the week because we're always interested in turnout and whether people are voting in these off-year elections so the poll question of the week is do you vote in every election even if it's an off-year mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's a good one to do yeah so do we have poll results from last week we do have poll results for last week so let's uh let's get into that so our poll last week um was actually around debates and candidates skipping so the question was when a candidate skips a debate do they risk losing your vote um famously i guess uh trump has skipped a bunch of uh debates yeah um, and well we actually brought this uh, up because shiva was on here from the league of women voters who joined us a lot and she was talking about the local republicans in her right. area of the state skipping out on the debates right and so it seems to be you know i don't know if it's a trend or, or whatnot but so we asked the poll and we got 74 percent said yes that does risk losing their their vote 26 percent said no okay yeah so um we had a couple of comments that uh uh some guy said if biden refused to debate trump because he's too obnoxious it wouldn't keep me from voting for him <laughs> because trump is too obnoxious i guess he means <laughs> right 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 um wow it's, i would never vote for a republican i don't see any reason to debate traitors and insurrectionists <laughs> okay uh, by the time the debate happens i'm already very familiar with the candidates that share moral and ethical codes with me i've already seen many speeches that's a that's a fair point they've you know by the time they get to the debate there's been a lot of news coverage right um and if yeah. you're paying attention you've heard a lot from them already so you kind of know where they're going to answer true but I think the question is more does it say something about their character or what they think about the job how seriously are they taking the job for them not to show up right mm. it's not about knowing necessarily where they stand maybe you do know already maybe you know if they're with a certain party they're going to be more like this or versus that or whatever but if they're not showing up to the debate because they think they have it in the bag 
then are they going to take that kind of arrogance with them to the job? Are they not going to show up to anything when they're in office because they think that they're going to be reelected with no opposition? That's, I think, what I was getting at. I was trying to figure out, you know, do you think that that says something about who they are and how they might govern if they can't be bothered to debate? Right. Uh, This comment brought up a pretty good point. Um, He said he voted yes, but he thinks it's more relevant in primary voting than in general elections because the split between Democratic stances and he put sane Democratic stances and uber insane Republican stances would compel him to vote for a house plant if it had a D after its name. But he's saying in in the primary uh, debate between candidates with only slight differences in stances, uh, it makes more of a legitimate reason to, to look at the debates. Right, right. And if someone doesn't show up for primary debate, it usually does indicate they think that there's no reason to, right? They either have it in the bag, right. maybe they think there's no way they can win. Although, in my experience, the candidates who, who think that they're a long shot are more likely to want to show up and debate, whereas the ones who think that they're going to win regardless think, why am I going to bother? I'm not even give them any shine. So, right. I think it doesn't um, matter sometimes, because I've seen that. I've seen that even in primaries. I've seen someone who was the favorite not show up to the debate and people talking afterwards saying that oh, this person was so arrogant that they couldn't even be bothered to show up and defend their record or answer questions you know i think that does say something now how much impact does that have on an election i don't know because we're not talking about necessarily debates for president or governor here if we're talking about local debates most mm. of the voters i don't think are really in tune to that right i mean right maybe and maybe if it's a very local election and you get the whole town to come out in some of these areas that's possible but in my experience especially in new york city the debates are pretty pretty small in the grand scheme of things you know it's just the people who come to the debate i can see them being annoyed if people come to a debate and some candidates don't show up i can see the people who came out saying they wouldn't give us the respect of addressing us we actually came out of our house for this where you know where were they i can see that right what difference does it make on the entire electorate I'm not sure because you've got thousands of voters who probably didn't even know there was a debate, right? Right. Um, and it's I'm, I'm seeing in the comments, I'm seeing a, a kind of a common thread that people do think it's a little bit more important in the primaries. Mm-hmm. Um, another comment here it said, uh, only if they're trying to learn about the candidates. It can be helpful in, in local dem- Democratic primaries. Um, it was helpful in the Democratic presidential primaries to get a sense of who could strike a chord of voters and who wasn't ready for prime time. On the other hand, Joe and the former guy are both essentially incumbent incumbents. I don't need to hear from either one of them to know their plans, platform, or perspective. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fatigue, especially with not just those candidates, but the presidential election cycle. I think people are still exhausted from the last few presidential elections and don't sure. want to have another one. I really think sure. that's what it is. Now, it's not just the candidates. I think people just don't want to have another race for president because it just wore us out so much. Well, I mean... They're campaigning for a couple of years now. Um, yeah. It's something that used to be not as long. It right. seems to, yeah, and I think it's been documented. It seems that the the it's campaign longer and longer, yeah, longer and longer. So you, the candidate might be in your face for like two years. Right, it's like tired of hearing about you already. Right, <laughs> so, right, yeah. And then sometimes candidates do better to wait. Right, I mean that's a whole right. strategy too. I mean, obviously, you don't want to get lost in the mix so you know you do have to get it get in early enough where you you know you'll be able to catch up but there is an advantage in not putting yourself in people's faces for so much that they get tired of you before the election even happens right, right. i mean 
people do like that shiny new toy, right? Let's say you've got these candidates who is like, oh, enough of them already. You know, this is all we got. And then because it gets so vicious too, everyone's negatives are magnified. So we all know the worst of the worst of everyone who's in the race. If someone new comes in, there's less time that they're attacked. And so that can play to their benefit too. Right. And and there's a comment here that also brings up a good point. And it's one that I've often felt is that the debate format and, you know, being that it's on TV or however it is, you know, there's a time limit. Um, so it's quite restrictive in that sense. So it's like, how much really can you get into depth on, on debates? Because it's like, here, you answer this, you answer this. Okay, we're moving on. Especially and if so, there's 16 candidates on stage, right? Right. And so it's like, how much do you really get into uh, yeah. the, the discussion or the discourse that you want to hear right. because of this? And a lot this. of it is people coming into it with their candidates that they already support and they just want to oh. cheer them on and boo the others. See, ah, that's why I support that one because that one 10 second thing that they said, you know, so it's very yeah. performative too. Yeah. So that makes it difficult. Maybe the debate needs to somehow evolve or, or change how the formats are done. Maybe there's something to take into account those things. Maybe, um, you know, or maybe they're just not the end all be all, right? I mean, you could have right. it and maybe they're helpful in some ways, but I don't think we should be making up our entire minds based on one debate performance because that's what it is, right? It, you know, right. and it could be a matter of who was better prepared for that debate. And maybe that says something, maybe you want to vote with someone who's well prepared, but maybe someone's right. having a good night, having a bad night. I mean, you know, it could be a whole number of things. And so I think there are things to consider beyond just that. Yeah. And I think, um, Paul in the chat brings up a good point. He said, I feel like a debate reveals what kind of fighter they are. Do they answer by taking tough stances on tough issues or do they dodge or do they try to answer in such a way that they will feel will make everyone happy? Right. Right. I think we can get a sense of something like that when they're on the campaign trail. The difference in a debate is like you're on the spot. Everyone's looking at you. Like, how are you going to handle it right here, right, right. now? And also on the campaign trail, you are in charge of the right. event. So, right. right. Everything that's talked about the entire messaging is crafted specifically by you and for you, right. To help you to put you in the best light on a debate. And in theory, you're, and, you're being okay. against, pit against other people who are trying to tease out your weaknesses. So it's not about you presenting your strengths, right? The right. debate gives you a chance to defend yourself, maybe show that your weaknesses aren't really weak, but it gives you and other candidates a chance to bring out and expose the other weaknesses that are out there, right? Right. And and uh, to add on to your point about you being in control of what's going on there, you're also in control uh, in large part to what media gets put out. So right. even if it was a failed campaign stop uh, and you had one good moment, you one push good that picture. good moment out, it <laughs> yeah. looks like the whole thing was good. Right, right. But you're in control of taking a hand or kissing a baby or something. I had this beautiful event right. and that was the only person. Right, that <laughs> right, right. So well, absolutely. Yeah, but you know what? And, and that's how media works because a lot of times even media won't show up to an event. And so I see that. I tell people that all the time. I say, listen, do a press conference, do any event. It doesn't matter. Take good pictures, take good video, because if all the media isn't going to show up, that's okay. You can do a press release with that media, send it to them. And now you have a great story that oftentimes they'll publish. And it's your narrative of what happened at the event. Right. And that's a failure on uh, media and journalism, in, in my opinion. 
Looks like we got Sheba joining us. All right. Sorry. Let's see. Is she live on scene? That is the big uh -oh. Sheba on the street. What's going on, Sheba? Are you live Looks from like Jennifer Flowers' party? We can hear you. Barely. Barely. Yeah, we hear a lot of noise behind you. It's your, your vocals are garbled. I think it sounds like you have like a weak signal strength. Hold on, if I take it out, what can I oh, There we go. This, yeah, can you, this is the mayor of Poughkeepsie. I've been dragging the hotel for a Next mayor of Poughkeepsie. Did I hear that right? So, and that's right here. Jay Carter. And then I'm over 80,000 subscribers. We're live on Facebook. We are having a hard time understanding the audio. Yeah, it looks like the can the 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 signal must be bad. Um, it's hard to hear what you're saying. It's going in and out. Now we're looking at the ceiling. <laughs> so that was the, is, if I heard you correctly, that that's the candidate there for for mayor. Mike, I believe so. I was trying to verify that. Right. Um, I think she said that's the next mayor of Poughkeepsie. Looks like uh, some uh, what you call it? Some uh, technical can you can you hear us, Sheba? Yeah, I think she's uh. I don't She's know speaking, but we can't hear you. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask Sheba, is this Miss Flowers with you right now? Yes? Is that a yes? <laughs> well, um, to check back in another time here. It, yeah, we have to do that. Um, it looks like they are still um, polls close at nine there, so. Yes, Things we are still going on. We won't have results for at least another hour or so. Right. Well, good and luck to Jennifer Flowers for mayor of Poughkeepsie. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but can you hear us? We have to we have to get her on the show and, and talk yeah. about her experience, especially if she wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like yeah. Yvonne Flowers is uh her name oh yvonne flowers i don't know why i was saying jennifer flowers yeah yvonne flowers so okay. can we google a picture of her to see if that's her yeah yeah i think it's her that's her it is her it is her okay yeah yep. let's see it so we'll good luck to yvonne flowers maybe mayor elect of poughkeepsie as of tonight we'll see we'll, we'll see yeah we'll definitely see uh, but yeah, so those are interesting um, poll result uh, answers there. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So remember, there was that controversy about whether I should have shaken the incumbent's hand in 2017 after the debate. 
Um, was it a controversy or was that me being oh, upset? <laughs> I'm not sure if it was only you. It was, it's been a while. I thought there were other people who might have mentioned that also. You shouldn't have shaken that guy's hand. Yeah, I, I I distinctly remember saying that I wouldn't have. I mean, because the way that he talked about you was very disrespectful. And it was across the line, in my opinion. I didn't think he deserved that sort of respect. Right. But that, that's, that was me. So I don't, I don't know if it was a, was it like a controversy? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big thing. You know, I do remember him asking me, though, at the time, do you want to shake my hand? Which kind of struck me because I was thinking, wow, he's even contemplating the possibility that I will refuse to hear hand, You know? Yeah. Well, now we can hear you a bit, Sheba. Can you hear us? Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. I hear you great. Oh, okay. So you were with Yvonne Flowers. Yes. And this is her her, her yeah, brother. So, hey, Facebook Live. How you doing? Hi. How are you? I've been How's shouting Yvonne out on Facebook Very Live. well. Okay. Good luck. So post close in about an hour. You got about 55 minutes, right? Uh, yeah. We're ready. You're ready. So yeah. how are things looking? Things looking good over there? Everything feels good. I feel like it's we're on we're on a, a good roller coaster. We yeah, got our absolutely. hands in the air, waving like we don't care. <laughs> yeah, setting up the point, right? You right left now. it all on the field. You must feel good. You must feel relieved. Because I've been through campaigns. You know that. This yeah. is the last hour. You feel like it's been a hard fight and now we're just ready to see what happens, right? We we did our job. And it's Jed Carter, he's on the call too. Okay, yeah, he's we're in Japan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so we're doing our thing. We are doing our thing. All right. That's it. Oh, that's that's it. Good. Sheba, okay. did you see high turnout at the polls today? I'm sorry. Did you yeah, see high turnout? Yeah, no, it was a very heavy turnout. Good. We're on Facebook Live. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Mar it's uh, Mike Scala and Hi. Jay Carter. We're on Facebook Live. We do this every Tuesday. Oh, okay. This is uh, Mario. Hello, Mike. Mario. How you doing? And Jay good, Carter. Good. How are you? He's the, he, he's the second in command of the town. Who's that? <laughs> okay. Listen, that's definitely not me. <laughs> I'm just a passerby jumping in here. That's it. Yeah. But it's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. He ran for office in New York City. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So he's really, and he worked with the uh, Senate. Oh, okay. Second. All right. Very nice. I'm surprised you didn't cross paths. Yeah. Yeah. You might have at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I can barely hear you because there's music in here. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's why there's a lot of music in there. Right. Polls closed at nine o'clock. I mean, hopefully we'll find out. Are we expecting results right away? Oh, my name is Sheba. Well, actually, aren't polls closed now? Nine o'clock. It's nine. No, it's eight. R A H A I M. Is my clock wrong? No, no, no. Yours is right. No, I'm good. I'm good. You're good. You're good. It's two hours difference. It was very nice. We uh, had a, a heavy turnout. The reporters okay. here. And um, too bad y'all couldn't be here with us. Yeah. Which would have been good. But, um, I'm looking forward to seeing the results. I hope it's a good night in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah. The turnout was very... The turnout was very good. I had to find a park to park to vote. Well, there you go. So that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. When I went to vote earlier, also there were a lot of people so there. We're at it me. It's a part of the turnout myself. I'm sorry. What you say? 
I said it surprised me to see the big turnout myself and I went, I went to vote here earlier. Oh, yeah. So it shows you that people are taking things serious. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, the, that's the bonus about that. Okay. Yeah, right. I'm not going to say, when something exciting happens, I'll come back on. All right. But yeah, now, yeah, we'll, I'm going to no. make that round. And, 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 and tell Ms. Flowers we want to have her on in the future. Oh, okay. I sure so, will. Ask her for Kipsy. All right. Thank okay. you, Sheba. You're welcome. All right. I had our, our first live on the street. Yeah, yeah. With possibly the next mayor of Poughkeepsie joining us. I didn't know that was her for sure for a second. I thought it was. I wanted to make sure. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And it's good to hear that um turnout has been pretty heavy. So that's you know, as we were talking about in some of these, I mean, it is the mayor election, so it's for a town it's generally pretty big, but um just in an off year, people showing up, period. Um, right. So yeah. and engaged. So that's good, um, right? Because you see polls come out, but there's really no better measure of what the electorate is going to do than the actual election results, right? Even in these off years, you can kind of get a sense of where people are and how they're voting, right? Because they're actually voting. It isn't just with the telling pollsters. Right. Yeah. So well, that'll be... Uh... I'll be we'll be interested it'll be interesting to hear how that that comes out maybe we'll I mean by next show I'm sure we'll know yeah oh yeah if uh although flowers it depends on how close it is too right because now you have right. sometimes a long period of counting absentee votes and then sometimes recounts so it's very close so these things can go on for a while I think we were spoiled it seemed like in the old days we would always know who won that night and now it seems like things are taking a bit longer because you have a lot more votes by mail now and you would you would think i mean there's gotta be there has to be some kind of an easier process a secure and easy process to do this uh or a faster way to do this there has to be something uh, i'm just surprised that you know we're still still yeah. taking as long as it no does that take. frustration is real although i am grateful for the fact that we do take our time and make sure that we're doing it right, right. right? because when we I would, I would. votes you have lawyers in the room I, i've been in these rooms people from the campaigns going through them one by one by one by one and making sure that the votes are counting the way that they're right. supposed to be. so there is i think a lot of integrity in the process and and to be fair i would i would much prefer it take longer and be accurate an accurate result right the and ideal for stereo is Wait. it's fast and accurate. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. cool. But accuracy is definitely to me is more important than it being done quickly. So oh, yeah. if that's what's happening, people are taking their time, they're going through it one by one, and it's gonna take a little bit of time. Much prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. And really you got plenty of time. Like in, in the, the presidency, they don't take office till like right. the end of January. <laughs> so like, you know, you can chill out, count. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's true it's just i think we're, we all get stressed out over wanting to know the results even if we're not in the campaign right especially for something like president we don't want to wait we've gotten spoiled yeah but all right so with the few minutes we have left we could talk about the story in brooklyn or we could talk about music i don't know what do you feel like talking about um well, you know, I'd always say music, but uh, maybe. <laughs> right, well, you know, let's talk about that. Maybe because, 
Because Spotify, right? That was something that you just see reported about a change in the structure. Right. Well, so Spotify already plays a notoriously low per stream to artists whose music is on their platform and uh, for royalties for the, for their plays. And they've actually been working for years to try to uh, reduce that royalty even further um, because that, that royalty came up again for consideration um, within the past couple of years. And they were actually trying to get it to be lower. Uh, and the CEO at the time was also saying that, you know what, you know, basically you don't have to raise royalty rates, just release more music is what he's saying. Um, turn out more music. endless endless so, amounts of content is right, what he right. was so he's saying we want quantity over quality ba basically what he was saying so but now what they're doing is spotify is going to put a limit in place on uh, a threshold that artists have to cross in order to be eligible to receive royalties on the plays of their music and that royalty is a thousand streams per song per year so if you release one song and it gets 1000 streams in that year then you're eligible for royalties on that on that song if it gets 998 streams you don't get any royalties off of that if it gets 1000 streams this year and only 500 the next year then you only get royalties off of that first year you don't get any off of that next year so and that next year won't add up right doesn't accumulate. it doesn't roll over no right doesn't roll over it's only within the year and that makes you eligible for streams the problem with that i mean to me it's very obvious the problem with that is that what it's doing is spotify is still getting the benefit of having songs in their catalog and they use that for the marketing yes we've got this many songs that you can stream we can do that here come pay us be right. a member and we make money off of that and Not just the songs, the same, number of streams, right? I mean, because they can add up all of the streams that they're getting. And yeah, maybe right. some songs have only 500 streams or whatever, but now you, you multiply that by the millions of songs that are out there and it makes Absolutely. them look better, right? So it's they're right. actually making more money even off of having fewer streams on particular songs. Absolutely. And they're and they're you know, they're using that for their their, like you said, their reputation, their marketing, whatever, but at the same time, they're like, Yeah, well, these streams aren't, aren't enough to pay you for it. So they get the double benefit. And to me, it makes it, it kind of makes it look like they're, they're making artists employees in a sense, you know, like you don't get any pay unless you work to make us more streams, right? Cause now artists are going to have to make sure. So the reason why, like you would think, okay, well, an artist is trying to, wants to make streams anyway. So it, what's the problem? Here's another problem is say you put out an album, 10 song album, mm -hmm. um, with this threshold here, each song is treated as an individual track. It doesn't matter if your whole album gets a thousand streams for the year, it doesn't count. You still don't get any royalties. It depends on if each individual song. So maybe you got one song that was your lead single on it and you often have your lead singles and you have your album cuts. Your lead single, let's say it gets a certain number, it gets a thousand streams and the rest of them get you know, less than that. You know, And so none of those you'll get royalties off of but right. they're there they're getting you know and so spotify is really making money off of it even if it's a little bit it adds it goes into their big pot right absolutely absolutely so, um but here's a question how much money would you make currently if you had a song on spotify that got a thousand streams 
Uh, I think it's somewhere like, uh, I don't know, a couple bucks, maybe. Now, isn't it? I'm trying to think. Is it $1,500? Like $3 or something like that? There's a sale. Isn't it 1,500 streams is the equivalent of a sale now? Something like that? Um, I just had a, um, there was actually a calculator um calculator because I mean, we are talking about a like, small amount of money that they would be depriving you of right yes however it's still your money right it or it's still it's still a performance of your work yeah 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 but i'm just saying and for so, some perspective basically yeah. artists might be getting a couple bucks less per year right um well it depends on how many how much music they have out no, but I'm saying they can't be depriving them of more than that if, you know, like, let's say they were at 999 streams and they get to that thousand. Now they're on that right. thousand. So now they meet the threshold. But how much money is that really worth? Right. So, OK, well, let's say we're looking here. I'm looking here at a calculator for Spotify. One thousand streams looks like it's a roughly about four dollars if this calculator is uh, up to date. So that's four dollars. So for that year, you would have got four dollars if you only got a thousand streams, right? But that's per song. So if you have ten songs, now nah, it's like forty bucks, maybe that you're missing out on. Well, that's if you got a thousand streams on each song, right? Right. So it's, it's not a it, no. But I'm as saying far as, if you don't meet the as far as there, I'm saying if you don't meet the threshold, basically, what is the maximum amount of money that could be depriving you? Well, of? here's the, well, yeah. Think about it like this: under the new system. Each song needs to reach that thousand stream threshold to qualify to get this four dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Under the previous of uh, the current one, all of your songs together could be pushing towards that thousand streams. So that four bucks. Well, yeah, but say you got a 10 song album. Each mm -hmm. of those get do 900 streams each. Yeah, right? yeah. So now you're closer to 40 bucks. Right. So now you've got you know what is it each of those do 900 streams that's nine or that's 900 streams for the album for the year but next year no that's not the next year. first song right so it's really times but the, number of songs times 900 right because they're playing every yeah song. but yeah but under the current thing there's it's not there's not a a, a threshold so that 900 you received yeah, yeah, right. this year count is going to count for streams for next year and for next year right. so you're building up streams and getting paid along the way so that you may only have earned three dollars worth this year but the next year that if you got the same amount of streams that's another three dollars and the next year that's another three dollars and so you're still talking about a couple bucks a year you're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars here what depends on uh it depends on how many songs you've got right it could be a could be a you know yeah, a couple bucks a year. It could be okay well, okay but, but here's the thing but so under the current model then it seems like it would make more sense to have more songs but if they're changing it to this threshold model then why is it quantity over quality wouldn't it be better to have fewer songs that each make more more streams basically like you know what i mean like, why would you want to have a thousand songs that each only get a few streams because then you won't qualify for any of them right um from the spotify side the more songs on the platform the better they look right we've got all this variety for you because you pay right. you pay this monthly thing you've got all this variety for you it's like yeah, it doesn't matter because didn't you just say though that the was it the ceo of spotify 
Right. Does he think that the solution for artists is to just make more songs? That doesn't seem that was what he, accurate. That was what he was saying it would seem a couple like the of solution years. would be to make fewer songs that each get more plays. If that's the right. balancing act, right? If it's between more songs that get fewer plays or fewer songs that get more plays, with his new model, it would seem like you would want the fewer songs that got more plays because that you would have to qualify for that threshold. Whereas if you had a lot of songs, each only got a few plays, you wouldn't make any money at all. Well, that, that quote was before this model came up, this new model. Okay. okay. That was when he was, that was when a couple, within the past couple of years, when the debate was about whether they were going to uh, up the price, raise or lower the, the, the okay. royalty stream. Okay, okay. And so he was like, yeah, we don't need to raise the royalty stream because you just, you should just make more music. Um, that's so you crazy. have more. Yeah, that's that's really a perverse incentive. I mean, imagine that. Basically, what he's saying is, yeah, we know that right. we pay pennies per song, but if you made a million songs, then you can make some money, right? Because you can you can send right. those songs to all your friends, and then you know now if you have a hundred friends play, each playing those million songs, now you got some money in your pocket. That's great. Right. And, <laughs> and what that does, what that does, is it bolsters their catalog because now yeah. in their marketing, when they say, here, you pay us nine ninety nine a month for Spotify Premium. Uh, you have access to this many songs, right? Right. Right. Um, but now, even that that way of thinking is kind of undercut by this new path they're going into to 2024, where you don't get paid anything if you don't get a thousand streams per song per year. So, I wonder though, uh, will, will that have the effect of encouraging higher quality songs I mean, will people have to put more time into their songs to think i better make something good enough to get that thousand streams um i, I don't know how that how that well, works really not on that. The thing. we are really talking about pennies here right i mean that's, i think you know i think this is more about what's right versus what's wrong you as an artist right. deserve to be paid for your streams, right. you should be getting paid more per stream than you are, and you shouldn't be subject right. to these arbitrary thresholds. I think that's really more of a morality argument. But in terms of a practical matter, will it change the way music is made or change the industry? I'm not sure because we're only talking about pennies on the dollar here, right? I mean, we're saying someone might make four bucks less next year, or maybe 40 if they have a lot of songs, but you're not talking about thousands of dollars that they're trying to take from you. Well, I, I, that depends. Does it right? That that depends. Let's if say you've songs got are all under a thousand streams. I mean, how much money are you really making on Spotify? Well, let's think. Yeah, you're not making a lot, but let's think. Say you've got ten albums out there with ten songs each on it, right? So you've got a hundred songs on Spotify, right? Uh -huh. None of them make the thousand threshold, but let's say they all get close now, under the old model, right? That's four hundred bucks almost. It's only four hundred bucks. That's not, that's not life changing. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's not for an independent artist. For an independent artist, that's that's new microphone. That's that's okay. headphones. That's they can have, so, you, so you think that has a big financial impact on the kind of on the industry and the kind of music that's being made? Maybe, um, maybe a little bit. I think I you know, I personally I stand with the side that you know you should be paying that they should be paying the royalty regardless because yeah, you're I using it to market your yeah. business. Yeah, 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 right. He's they're getting benefit off of it or whatnot. Now this is. The, the the this is what Spotify is doing. Um, so far, we haven't heard anything about like Apple Music or Tidal or anything like that. And some of these other places pay much higher than than Spotify. So uh, for Apple Music, um, according to this calculator here that I'm, that I'm looking at here, 
that same thousand streams on Apple Music will get you five dollars on Amazon, be five dollars on Title, it'd be twelve dollars. Uh, Pandora, dollar forty. YouTube, dollar seventy five. SoundCloud, dollar. It's not the same thousand streams, though, right? It's a thousand streams on each of those services. So it's not like that song gets streamed a thousand times and you're getting five dollars with you these companies. Well, if it's if it's streamed on that company, yeah, and that's on that platform. So now you're talking about five thousand streams, ten thousand, right? To hit, to hit these different companies, right? If you're commute, yeah, in total, if you're on per platform, so right. it could be a case where maybe artists might be better to migrate to platforms like an Apple Music if they don't have the thresholds, like Title that pays a lot more. Hmm. Uh, if That's but you know the difference is right? spotify because, is the biggest right some people might think well i'm gonna put my music on all these platforms and if spotify doesn't really pay that's all right maybe they'll get more money from apple music but you might want to think about it in terms of i'm gonna put my music only on these platforms that will pay a little bit because i don't want to waste streams on a site like spotify right because they're not going to pay me so if, if someone's going to listen to my music and they you know they really want to hear my song if they play it on spotify maybe you think that that's not going to be as helpful so you only have it on another site where they do pay so that you can get more streams on those other platforms right or if you prioritize spotify you might want to take it down from those other sites and have it only on spotify to make sure you get your streams there right um and that that could be a way of thinking they're trying to funnel people to one platform um so yeah. people aren't spread around as much and plus spotify gets more people to, to stream more often that could be a way um there's also to think about that spotify has the biggest market share in in the streaming game so if you do put it on title it's going to be less of a possible audience um even though they're paying you higher per stream they're paying you three times more you might not even get as much, but it could balance out. Uh, Apple Music is the second in the game. And so maybe that's a good way to focus. Maybe you start focusing your marketing efforts, keep it on Spotify, but mm -hmm. focus your marketing efforts on Apple Music and on Tidal. Right. You know, people do this with SoundCloud that doesn't pay anything unless you're in that partner program, um, but they put their music up there anyway. So Right. That's what I was thinking also. I think most artists, especially independent artists that don't get a ton of streams, I think they want to have their music out on all these platforms and not really expecting to get paid anything off of the streams. They think that maybe it'll just get them some attention, right? People will hear their music and then maybe they can parlay that into some shows or some merchandise sales right? and get their money. If they're making any money, they can do it somewhere else. I don't think streams are really a revenue source for independent artists unless they're really popular and they're making a whole lot of them, right? Because we know each stream pays a fraction of a penny. Right. Well, and here's another thing to consider. Um, DistroKid, which is one of the more popular distribution services out there, um, when you release a song, it's free to release the song. But not free to release the song. There is a yearly mm. um, a, a yearly fee you have to pay to keep your song up through DistroKid. Uh, Distro it's it's a nominal fee. I think it's like nine bucks, a couple bucks a year or whatever. Now, previously, those less than a thousand streams at three four dollars could go towards that to keeping your stream your, your song up there now on spotify if you're making less than a thousand now you're coming more out of pocket so not only are you losing that royalty but you're going to have to pay out of pocket to keep it if you're going through something like a distro kid that charges that i mean there are alternatives obviously but that's one thing to consider right uh paul in the chat 
said it very well. It sounds like the equivalent of saying to an employee, we're only going to pay you if you work 20 hours or more for us a week. But if you work, you know, so basically if you work 19, you don't get nothing. If you work yeah, 20, yeah. then we're going to start paying you. Right, right. But we're still going to use you use your efforts for our service. Yeah, yeah. And it isn't just them advertising the number of songs they have available. It even helps, I believe, when they're going out and they're getting sponsorships or, or whatever for them to talk about the number of streams that they get on their service. Now, you might think, well, but these songs don't have a lot of streams. But if there are millions of them, each one is at least one. If, if, if Even if the artist streams their own song, now that's another million streams I can take credit for, right? Right. Absolutely. So uh, apparently the majority there, I mean, there's so many music that's yeah. so much music that's up on Spotify and a majority of it is not um, hitting that threshold uh, or at least not hitting that threshold consistently. Right. However, those streams also are streams that Spotify advertises on. Right. And so, so they're making anybody fun. listening, any ears that are on those songs is going to be uh, ears for advertisers. Yeah. And I can see it from Spotify's point of view. They might be thinking it would be administratively, or maybe it's becoming administratively too much of a nightmare, too prohibitive for them to basically pay millions of artists three cents. It's like it's not worth the paper, the statement's printed on, and the postage, or you know, the transaction fee, the overhead, the people we have to hire to administrate, you know, whatever, the systems they got to build. They probably think that it's almost a loss because they're paying so many people pennies and i'm sure it costs them money to administer all this right right so from a business perspective they're like it just doesn't make sense if people are making real money then sure but you know well do the song and dance for two cents it seems excessive well um as as noted in this in this article i posted in the chat from variety on this um there's another thing to think about too like if if they're generating money from from ads on on these songs but they're not paying out that three dollars that they're not paying out that they would normally be paying out for that thousand streams three four dollars whatever they get to hold on to that and that means they can generate interest off of that and so for one artist that doesn't mean anything but if you're talking about tens of thousands of artists who didn't hit that threshold who would have gotten that three four dollars and now it's in your bank account earning interest um that's a new revenue stream for spotify so it actually means more to Spotify's bottom line than to the average artist out right. there. Right. So now on the other side of this, the uh, Spotify is supposedly going to be slightly upping the payouts to the people who are receiving royalties. I haven't seen how much they're upping if that's, you know, we get royalties for, for our podcasts. Do we qualify for royalties or is it just for music? Uh, I don't know if they do that, but yeah, I don't know how, how that, that works on there. I think if you're, you know, if you're an official one, they probably pay you, but is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. Um, it's, 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 a uh, an issue. Uh, I think to me, it just shows how much more music is being devalued in this yeah. age of streaming. Yeah. Right, right. And that's what it is. If you think about the path that this took, it used to be artists got paid for their releases, right? And 
especially when it was a physical release. You had to buy the CD, buy the record, the cassette, whatever. And then it went to downloads. And I think that's the first step of it being devalued a little bit, right? Because now everyone can just share the MP3. People would still pay sometimes to download music, but it didn't seem as valuable because you couldn't see it. It was less tangible. And so it just right. seemed like, why can't we just spread this file around, you know? And then it became, we're not even going to do the downloads. It's just going to be the streams and we're going to pay artists next to nothing the stream. Yeah. And and so then it moved or starting to move from when we might not even pay them at all anymore. Right. You can see the trajectory here. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it's and like because it's been happening so slow over <laughs> over years that people are just putting up with it. Right. So, you know, I think what artists should probably do would be to concentrate their marketing efforts into places that are still paying. Um, and try to do more direct consumer if possible on sites like Bandcamp, where you get all of that for it, you know, because like you said, it not only has it not only has this been a, a steady progression to the artist basically not getting anything when artists were already at a disadvantage, only getting maybe 10% of it if you're with a label anyway. Um, on top of that, now uh, you're gonna get even less which means they value that you're just content. You're not, you're not anything. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's a, a very bad precedent in my opinion, you know, and we just keep seeing this go down this, this steady path. Um, and I, I just lost the point I was just trying to make, I was trying to find it there for a second. Uh, <laughs> it's that the quality of the music is suffering because of this model. You, you think so? I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, because anybody can upload anything. Right. And There's it becomes more about back. quantity than quality. And and when you got the CEO of Spotify saying basically do that. Yeah. So we can get more because more streams to them equal more ads that get played. Right. Know? Right. Um, it was an advantage. I was thinking about this recently when we were putting music projects together back in the day, we had to budget for pressing up physical cds or records or right. Right, physical media right. since we don't right. do that as much anymore you can take that budget and put it more into the creation of the music and that's a different thing right because right. we never think about spending money on getting a big name feature or a producer or something because we were thinking man my budget is tied up in printing these cds up like i gotta press up these joints now since that step is kind of skipped you could put more of that budget into the creation the production of the music that's that's a good thing yeah this was the point that i was uh trying to get at now not only has there been that um the pay per stream or the pay you know has been going down but also the price point has been going down so i mean we're looking at the streaming price point but singles when it went to the mp3 area now a single was like 99 cents whereas before a physical single was like three four dollars you know now because if you were going through a label the artist might have only got like 40 cents out of it, which might have been equivalent because if you're going through the stream at 99 cents, you're not getting all of that either. Mm -hmm. But mentally on the public, if originally they're paying $4 for a single, now they're paying 99 for a single, that devalues it. Even yeah. if the artist is still getting similar amounts, right. it devalues music as a whole. It's like, oh, well, it's not even worth it. Right. It becomes more disposable. Right. And I think people take less time 
to consume it. You know, it's not like you sit with that album. If you bought an album, you opened it up, you took the packaging off, you had that new new city smell, remember that? And you would go to the book, you read the book and the credits and it became a whole thing, an experience. And it's less disposable that way, I think. I mean, I think that album could be more meaningful to you as a consumer for a longer period. You might sit with that album for a longer time trying to really digest it. Now, with there being so much stuff out there and with that experience gone and with it being devalued so much, it's like, you know, you'll play something online and you'll be like, oh, that's cool. What's what's the next thing? And you keep going to the next thing. And that puts pressure, I think, on artists to put out more and more music to try to get that attention, to get that market share, right? Get that, that relevancy. And I think that that leads to lower quality, you know, because you're not spending as much time putting out the, to even making the music anymore or trying to promote it or trying to make it something special. You just try to get that next thing out there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spotify is pimping people for yeah. streams for ad revenue. Yeah. Well, I refuse to be hoed in that manner. <laughs> or is it pimped in that matter? I don't even know. I, I yeah it's gotta wrap this up we could we could talk about this all night but yeah we should probably wrap this up yeah um the bottom definitely line. A, yeah what's what's the bottom line mike the bottom line is to go vote even if you think nothing is on the line make sure you do it because what's on the line your vote i saw a story on facebook earlier from senator sanders james sanders jr who represents this area and he said that people think that your vote doesn't matter, but if that's the case, why are the people fighting so hard to take it away from you? So Absolutely. something to think about. Your vote does matter. It is your civic duty. Even if you think that there aren't any big ticket elections going on, it's the very act of getting out there and making your voice heard. And maybe we'll get better results across the board if more people are engaged, right? Maybe if people are fighting back, you know, on, on all these issues, we won't see what's going on with Spotify and music industry and all these other things that are happening. Because when we take a passive approach as citizens and as residents, then we allow things to happen to us as opposed to taking control of our own destinies, right? So you have the power, exercise it. Mm, very well said, very well said. And you can find us on YouTube at Nuance Show um, and on Spotify. We don't get any royalties for, for that uh, and on Spotify. Uh, and Instagram and everywhere else. So make sure to check in with us also here every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Well, now 9 a.m. my time instead it was 8. Now it's 9. Yeah, Facebook so. Live, 7 p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> right, right, right. And so. so we thank you all for joining us. As always, we've got work to do, and we'll catch you next week.